It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a true legend of the game. He is a 2015 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a monster and a legend of the ABA, a one-time ABA MVP, and a four-time NBA All-Star. He is a NBA champion in 1980 with the Los Angeles Lakers and a gold medalist in those legendary 1968 Mexico City Olympics. He is, of course, Spencer Haywood. Mr. Haywood, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me and thank you for having me. Spencer, I'm wondering, your basketball journey was just as important for the path it took as it was for the results that you had. After those 68 Olympics and a junior college experience that rewrote the meaning of a junior college experience, you played one monster year in the NCAA and then made the professional leap. Now, at the time, that was unconventional, but it sounds pretty pretty ordinary in the 21st century. Can you talk about sort of the pushback that you received at the time in making that unconventional journey in the late 60s? Well, you know, as, as you were speaking about it as an unconventional journey, it was so because at that time, no player in basketball had ever tried to leave college early to go play in the ABA or NBA. And so I tried it. And I got a lot of pushback from the NC2A, the NBA, and so the ABA was an upstart league. They were trying to get something going, so there I was. And they said it couldn't be done, and so we finally got a chance to play. And once I got out on the floor at the age of uh, 19, uh, because I played the two years of college, and then I came in my, in my junior year, uh, I was able to do what I what I what I promised them that I could do, and a lot more. Because that particular year, I was able to average uh, thirty points and nineteen rebounds, and so um, that was like a proof in the pudding, from a proof in the pudding for uh, a player that could do that at this young age, and so. All of a sudden, then you had the young other guys coming in after me, Julius Irvin, Moses Malone, uh, uh, all of us, all of all of the Hall of Famers of today. Uh, George McGinnis, who's coming uh, this year. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, George Irvin. A lot of the guys came in at the time. And so they said, well, I, I can do it too. So that was the, the beginning of, of the young athlete coming in. They call it the called me the first one. So there I was. And then the following year, I decided to challenge the NBA and it's been the four-year rule. And when I challenged the NBA, the NBA pushed back against me and said, well, you can't play and shoved me with an injunction. And I waited my 10 days and I shoved them with another injunction to play. And the game was on. So I went from there the lower courts all the way to the state court up in Sacramento and up in Northern California. And then from there all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which took one year of battle. And finally, I was able to play, even though I was playing in the NBA, but I was playing under protest. And the games would be null and void. We moved the franchise from the Seattle Supersonics. And we won the case uh, 72 at the Supreme Court. And that's history. That's all of the players that you know that's playing for 
since 1971. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then you've got all of the players that are currently playing today and the drafts that you have today. All of those players, all of them, no exception, European, whatever, they all come through the Spencer Haywood rule. It's it's unbelievable when we think about you know this this incredible basketball hall of fame of which you ha- in which you have been enshrined, you think about the ways that people get in. It's a player, a coach, and a contributor, and your playing got you there. But also, we talk about yeah. this contribution, which was Kurt Flood like. You know, there's Spencer Haywood and there's Kurt Flood. Yeah, well, Kurt Flood and I was at the Supreme Court at the same time. And Kurt was there for bas- for baseball. Uh, I was there for basketball. And Muhammad Ali was there yeah. for boxing. Those were the three big cases and the last cases to ever go before the Supreme Court in professional sports. That's it. It's remarkable. What a year. What a year is right. And we're talking, of course, it's funny because I, we're going to talk about 1968 and those Olympics in a moment, but you can't get much more of between 68 in, in Mexico City and what you and Mohammed and Kurt did in the early 70s in the Supreme Court. Was that stuff ever distracting? Was it ever difficult to focus uh, on your job for the Seattle Supersonics when really the, the yeah. it must have been? Yeah, it was quite distracting because you know when you when you're playing and you're on you're on the floor and, and, and when you're on the floor and you hear the announcer the PA announcer says, well, ladies and gentlemen, we have an illegal player on the floor, number twenty four, and we have an injunction tonight, and this injunction reads he must be off the grounds in which this arena set on. So I put so they escorted me off the floor on on, on outside into the snow. <laughs> so that was like, yeah, that went on all year. And then you had uh, some games where, like, when I came to play, and the teams protested against me, so they removed all of their players from the floor. And then we just standing out there as as, as was an individual, and I'm standing on the floor, and people throwing things and hitting me with bottles and everything. We're destroying college basketball. We're destroying the pro game as we know it. We're going to have a lot of young guys coming in here. It's going to destroy us. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, but I think you know, uh, forty forty years later, I think it's clear that this was about much more and much deeper than just basketball, right? This was this was about a, a culture pushing back against another culture. So that's why I want to talk about nineteen sixty eight so much in those Olympics. Not only were you the youngest member of that Olympic gold medal team, but you led the team in scoring um, at such a young age, at such a at such a young player. Was that experience, again, with John Carlos and Tommy Smith in those same Olympics, doing what they did, advancing the culture the way that they did, were you, were you, were you able to appreciate that moment and those games for how historic they were? Or at 19 years old, was Spencer Haywood just there for basketball? Well, I was just there for basketball, but, you know, you cannot be just there for basketball. Coming from Detroit where... Yeah. The action has been going on the year before where we had the riots and we had all of the, the stuff that was going on, the wash riots all across the country. We had all kinds of stuff going on, people in protests, burning cities and doing all of this and not be affected. So when Tommy and John were there, 
I mean, we were, you know, back then, you stayed with your teammates, and your team was was the Olympic team. You didn't, like, separate, like, you know, basketball players stay over on this boat, and there were course. No, you stayed, all of us together, we ate at the commissary, so you knew all of the things that was going on with each other. Uh, but I was just so focused on, on winning, winning, winning games because that was the first year that America was projected to lose the Olympics. And that was a heavy burden on me because, I mean, here I am. <laughs> I made the team when I was 18. I turned 19. Everybody's like, well, can he do it? Can he do this? You know? And I kept telling him, yeah, you're so young. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so... That's what I focus on, just playing hard basketball and enjoying the, the meets, the track meets that those particular guys were in, involved in. I remember going out to George, uh, Bob Beeman, and he kept saying, boy, I'm going to set a record. Okay, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. He jumped over the pit nearly and set a record. <laughs> <laughs> so you just saw all of these things happen. And then when, when Tommy and John finished their race, and and then we saw them like marching us. They marched them through us, you know, when they was expelling them from the from the Olympic Village. I thought that was just so harsh and so I was so hurt by that idea because I mean, Avery Bondi was just he was just so angry and yeah. so mean because they just did a protest and it just seemed like well they won, they they won for America, they did everything right. They just made a protest for back home. Because a lot of us were facing that same drama. You know, what's what you gonna do for the people back home? You're over here in the Olympics, but we are back home and they've given us all they given us the you know, the push like well what are you gonna do about us? You know, you're over here you should you should have boycotted like Kareem and some of the other players, you know? So I caught hell like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was the times we were in, man, and it was it was it was protests. It was students were outside the village protesting. We had lost seven students that year and had to clean those bodies up and blood off the street in Mexico City before, just before we arrived. So it was just, so, it's just, it's, 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 it's well, <laughs> Olympics at its finest. Yeah, that's, this is this is this is what sport can do, right? And it's it's remarkable because. This, as a professional, you, you mentioned that, that year in the ABA with averaging 30 points and 19 boards. And, and just re-watching those tapes is so remarkable because your game was so perfectly fit for the ABA. Can you give me a sense of, of, of why your game, in your estimation, just clicked with the ABA, ABA style so well? Well, it clicked with the ABA style because it was freedom. It was it was not that restricted. You know, that's the first time that I had experienced a three point shot, and I could run the floor. I had a big body, so I could I could rebound like a center, and I could play like a, a small forward. But I was a big forward, so it, it, it was just all the things I wanted in, 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 in the game, and so. I exploded on the scene there, you know, and that was, that's the first time that a player had did those kind of numbers, which is 30 and 20. So Will Chamberlain was the only, only other rookie, and he was an old man, I think, at 23. Mm-hmm. And I was 19, so that's the only other time that it happened. So when I transferred to the NBA, 
I live in Mump over there, you know, doing 29 and 12, 29 and 13. So and, and uh, it, was, it was just basketball. Basketball was open, and, and what I see today is the results of what I did back then because all of those players, you talk about the Steph Curry, you talk about the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, all of these players, there's no exception. They all are under the Spencer Hayward rule. They left college early. Is that satisfying? That has to be, again, one of the great contributions that anyone could have made in, in their legacy is allowing the people after you greater access. That has to be fantastically satisfying. It's fantastically personally satisfying, but publicly they don't know that I did this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Basketball is here that here's that little piece of uh, that golden nugget away from them. Yeah. So it is coming, it is coming, and it's coming on God's time. So I gotta have to keep my spirit in, in line and enjoy the enjoy the journey. Yes, sir. Well, finally, I have one last question for you, Mr. Haywood, and it is such an intense pleasure speaking with you. What does it mean for you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? No, I just, I love it. I love, I, I grew up with a father who was the first black coach, NCAA history coach, Will Robinson, who adopted me and raised me in Detroit. And so all we talked about, like, being a Hall of Famer, and this night, I had never thought of it. I didn't even think of it like that. And basketball was such a uh, conduit for my family, it brought us out of poverty, and put all of my brothers and sisters through college, and got us all on, on good footing in America. Uh, so just working with the Hall of Fame is just, it's my its my crown jewel because this year we had a chance to go and speak to the Senate on the floor in Washington, D.C. That was just that was so awesome because I've always wanted to be on the Senate floor feeling that I'm a part of the seat of government. <laughs> so that was just so awesome. And, uh, you know, this year I, I will be participating. I will be one of the presenters with, with George McGinnis. So, and I play golf, the golf tournaments, uh, all of our golf tournaments that we have, all of our fundraisers, I'm there. I'm a part of it. It's, it's me giving back, but also it's me receiving much more because the spirit is so right. Well, he is a gold medalist, 1968 Mexico City, an NBA champion in 1988 with the or 1980 with the Los Angeles Lakers, a four-time NBA All-Star, a one-time ABA MVP, a monster, a legend of ABA and NBA proportions, a 2015 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, Spencer Haywood. Thank you again for your time. It has been such a pleasure. Well, thank you.